we've been talking about uh, being on mission uh, close and far, realizing that, that being on mission is not just something that we do far off in some uh, distant land, but it's also what we do close by uh, in our relationships with people and relationships with uh, individuals that we come in contact with every single day and, and know that, that as we do that, we're, we can be living on mission for the Lord, that we can be uh, living out, being the church every day, everywhere, and that as we have opportunity to share Christ with people, as we build relationship with people, as we build that equity with people and we share the truth with them, that they come to put their faith and trust in Christ. And uh, what, a, what an amazing thing to realize that we get to play a part in that, whether it's close or whether it's far. This past week, we've been praying for uh, one of our young ladies, Elizabeth McGill, who is uh, in a far-off place, Guatemala. Uh, it may not seem all that far away. It's not really all that far away, but it is far than, than here, and, uh, and we're praying for her. And the beauty of that is, is that we get to play a part in what she's doing. That as we're praying, as we're seeking the Lord, as we're asking God to to work in her and to work through her and to work through the team, uh, we're, we're joining in God's mission. We're joining in what God is doing, not just here, but in Guatemala and in her life and in through her team. And, and so uh, many have been doing that. I know Wednesday we prayed for her, and then a group of us got together on Friday. We were praying for her, and, and it was just amazing. It's been amazing to see how God has even been at work in that. We had just finished praying uh, for her and for the team uh, on Friday, and I got a call from the team leader, and uh, and he was um, going through some really some difficult stuff, and uh, and and asked us to be in prayer. And I was like, "Hey, we just spent time praying for you," and uh, and that I know encouraged his heart as he was just sharing with me how much of an upliftment that was to him to know that there's people praying for him. Again, working together, being on mission together, realizing that. That we can see everyone and we can be a part of what God is doing, not just here locally, but all around the globe, and know that, uh, that God is using us. Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 28, Acts 1, 8 are all verses that, that are very much central to what it means to be on mission for the Lord and, and really living out the great commission, the great commandment, and, uh, and realizing, just as Acts 1, 8 tells us, that we are his witnesses. This is our, our memory verse, and, and it tells us, but you will receive power. Why don't you say it with me? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The beauty of that is, is that you and I are Christ's witnesses to the world around us. The way that we live, the things that we say, the, the, the way that uh, we go about and carry about our life is a witness to those around us and uh, and like my dad used to always say Jason you you may be the only Jesus that some people ever see what Jesus are you showing to them what Jesus are you demonstrating to them and and again as as I think about that and that resonates in my heart and my mind the conviction that comes and the encouragement that comes from knowing that I'm an ambassador of Christ that I have the opportunity to speak into other people's lives and demonstrate Jesus to others is a huge responsibility. But it's an awesome responsibility in that we get to play a part in that. That God uses us even in spite of all the mess that, that sometimes we make of our lives. God uses all of that to bring himself glory and, and for us to recognize our need for him. And so as we strive to live 
for Christ, we do that in this world in which we live, wherever we're at, realizing that your circle of influence is different than mine. And mine's different than yours. And every single one of us here has a circle of influence. I mean, think about it. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but I don't go to a hairdresser. I, I don't know if you can tell that or not. Um, I don't. I, uh, my hairdresser is my wife. She gets out the clippers and buzzes my hair, and that's it. Um, but some of y'all, you go, I don't know how often, lots of times. Let's just say that. Uh, some of y'all are into uh, going to the gym. Some of you are, you know, where you, wherever. Your circle of influence is wherever you're at. And every single one of ours is different. The people that you come in contact with, the people that you are, are interacting with are different than me. And so your responsibility is your circle of influence. No matter where you're at, whether that's at school, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, wherever it is, God has called you to be an influence to that circle that you have relationship with and so as we go about doing that we we have put these verses into just a simple saying for us and uh, it's it's our mission statement and we see it on different things that we uh, have around and and again it's all just from scripture Um, see everyone love God love people and do something about it we even uh, we put some motions to it Um, again it's so much more than just words. It's so much more than just motions. All this is is to help you remember it and to internalize it. And so uh, see everyone. Why don't you guys do this with me? Uh, see everyone. We do this, the goggles thing, all right? Everybody looking around, looking weird, all right? Cool. Some of you are participating. Most of you are. That's awesome. Uh, and then uh, see everyone. Love God. So we put up our hands as we're worshiping God. Throw them around like you just don't care, whatever. Uh, and then love people. Put, put your arms next to, on somebody next to you or you give yourself a big hug, I don't, whatever. Um, and uh, squeeze them, tell them you love them, um, and, uh, and, and mean it. Um, and, and then, not only do we love people, but we do something about it. And the way we do something about it is by doing it together. Um, and so we interlock arms with one another um, and, and do that. So here's what I need you to do. Uh, everybody stand up. Stand up. Stand up. So, so let's do this, all right? Uh, and you guys say it out loud and do the motions with me, and, and, uh, and then, and, and, and we'll, yes, we'll hopefully continue to internalize this in our, in our minds and our hearts. All right, here we go. See everyone. Love God. Love people. Squeeze them. Squeeze them. It's okay. Squeeze them. Feeling the love in the room. Squeeze them. Squeeze yourself. Whatever. All right. Uh, and then do something about it. Do something about it. Lock arms with the person next to you. Good. Good. Turn a little bit. Try to. No, all right, good. All right, have a seat, good, good job. Again, these aren't just words. They aren't just, they aren't just a bunch of, of random uh, motions. You know, that's not, I hope that's not the part that you internalize. I hope the part you internalize is that this is the great commission, this is the great commandment, this is the call that God has put on our life to go and make disciples. And uh, it's a beautiful call. It's an amazing call. It's, an, it's vital. You and I are here because Jesus and others made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And that continued on and continues on to this day where we're making disciples. And it will continue on. And, and the beauty is, is that you can play a part in that. You can be a part of what God is doing in making disciples of all nations. And, uh, and so our hope is, is that you're going to internalize this. It's going to become... These moments will become an aha moment for you, a light bulb moment for you where you go, man, that's what I want to do with my life.
That's what I want to be about. And, and, and again, God is going to call us to various places and do various things. Um, and not all of us are going to be called to the same place and do the same thing, and that's okay. Um, because we're all part of the body of Christ. Each one, God has gifted each one of us. God has given us natural abilities. God, God has given us spiritual abilities through his Holy Spirit at work in us. God has, has given us passions and things that we uh, are passionate about, and that's, that's a good thing as he works in and through us. And so we realize that, that it's important for us as we internalize this stuff to realize that it's going to come out of our life. People are going to see it. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus is speaking, and he says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So like we talked about a few weeks ago, what are we letting take residence in our heart? What are we letting take up residence in our life? Whatever it is, is going to spill forth from your life. It's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in the way that you treat other people. It's going to come, in, it's going to come out in the way you see other people. And so we talked about that last week, about see everyone, see them as Christ sees them. Today we're going to talk about what it means to love God. And again, um, this is just scratching the surface. Understand that there's no way that we can fully dive into this in uh, the short amount of time that we have. But love God. So if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Oh man, I forgot my glasses again. No, I, I don't want yours. They won't work for me. Uh, shoot. Oh, oh well. I'll just stand back a little bit further. I can see farther away. Anyway, Jesus, Jesus is being tested. They're trying to find a way to bring this guy down. They hate his guts. They hate him because he has stood up to their establishment. He's stood up to their, their religious rules. He's stood up to uh, what they're standing for themselves. And they each group has been trying to take him out because they don't want him around. And so all these different groups of individuals, these religious leaders, have been asking him questions, and Jesus has been very much uh, answering them in a way that brings them back to the reality of, of what they're asking and of what their heart is all about. And in, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, it's no different. A fair, the Pharisees had heard that Jesus silenced the Sadducees and they gathered together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This lawyer was someone who was an expert in the law, the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And, uh, and, and he was an expert in these things. In other words, as an expert in the law, these individuals will have had memorized word for word all of those books. I mean, you, you, could, you could literally say to them a part of one of the verses in one of those books, and they could tell you all the words before it and all the words after it. They were that versed, and they were that much immersed in the law. And so this individual was an expert, and they're, what they're hoping to do is trip Jesus up. What they're hoping to do is get Jesus to, to uh, basically go against what Moses has said. Moses is, is the man, the myth, the legend to the Jews. 
He's the one that has led them out of Egypt. He's the one that has given, he's the one that God gave the law to. He, he's the one that, that was leading them. And, and so if they think in their mind, if we can get Jesus to say something against Moses, then we've got him. We've got him. And, uh, and so the teacher in the law, oh, thanks, Aaron. That's so nice of you. Appreciate that. that wow, amazing. <laughs> if they can get him to denounce or to go against Moses, they've, they, they've got him. Because there's no way that people are going to, to be okay with that. And so this, this expert in the law asks him a question. and says, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's interesting what he's doing here is he's actually quoting Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. These are the memory verses that, that I would encourage you and challenge you to memorize, but this is Moses speaking. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So he doesn't, he doesn't contradict Moses. He actually goes right along with what Moses had been telling the people and and he says to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus uses, as we see here in the English translation, mine. It's actually the same word as might. Might is the translation of the Hebrew word. Mind is the translation of the Greek word. And they, pretty, they, they mean very similar. And so Jesus isn't contradicting Moses. Jesus isn't going against. He's not adding to or any of those kind of things. He has, he has, in essence, been able to, in one swift verse, shut them up and be able to dispel any chance that they were having of trying to trip him up. I love that about Jesus. He's, he's, he's God, but he's man, and he gives them this answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so these parts... You notice that he doesn't say, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. He says, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. He wasn't trying to to somehow bunch them all together into one little category. He was separating them out as vital parts of who we are as people. And and again, the, the desire of Jesus is that we would understand how much we need to, and, and the people that were his disciples would understand this, that they, they needed to love Jesus. Jesus even said it, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he's, he's striving to get the people of God that are around him, the, the disciples that are following him, to understand that his desire is that they would love him with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. And, and yet at the same time answering these guys, these, these uh, experts in the law, these religious leaders, and, and dispelling what they were trying to do and catching him off guard. I love that. How do you catch God off guard? <laughs> anyway, good luck with that. 
He says to them, all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. So what, what are those three things? First of all, the heart. The heart is the place of your affections. The things that you love. The people that you love. He's saying to them, are you willing to love me above all of that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Are you willing to love God as preeminent in your life, as first place in your life, as the one who's seated on the throne of your life? Are you willing to love him above everything else? Yes, we're called to to love. Yes, we're called to love others. Yes, we're called to, to love those. And the Bible makes it clear. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Paul talks about love one another. Jesus says even, love your enemies. So yes, we're called to love, but ultimately, number one, we are called to love God with all of our heart. And in, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He's not saying not to love your mom and dad, not to love your your son or your daughter. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, are you willing to surrender them to me? Are you willing to to turn over them to me? Whether it's, it's people or things or whatever, remember Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the problem. It's the love of the of that. I mean, he talks about And Scripture talks about that we're to be good stewards of our body in in relationship to our physical health and all those things. Again, those things are not the issue. The issue is our heart. Are we willing to surrender our heart, our affections to God and say, God, you have number one place in my life. Everything else is, is submitted to you. Because I guarantee you this, if, if you want to love your wife better, your kids better, your neighbors better, you, you want to love better, then the way to do that is to love God first and foremost in your life. And as you do, that love will pour out in your life into others. Now, please understand, do not, do not for one moment think that what I'm saying is if you do that, that that's going to get reciprocated back to you. Did did Jesus not pour out his life for us? Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. Jesus laid down his life for us. And and do all people, do we, do I, reciprocate that back to him all the time? No, so so this isn't about what what I'm going to get out of it. This is about me surrendering my life, my heart, my affections, my loves to the Lord God, and letting him be number one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart. Second, he says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Your soul is the seat of your inner life. In fact, it's your very self, your identity. It's who you say you are. So it's, it's not any surprise then that we live in a culture and a world that is attacking at every turn people's identity, who they say they are. 
And unfortunately, what's happening is, too often, what's happening is we're listening to what others say about us. Too often we're listening to what the world is saying about us. And that if you feel a certain way, well then you must be that. Or if you think you're this, then go ahead and do that. Again, is that God or is that the world or is that us even basing who we are on what we feel or what we think? And is that really loving God with all of our identity, with all of our soul? See, the greatest things, the truest things about you are not what you say about you. It's not what others say about you. The truest things about you is what God says about you. Why is that? Because he created you. I mean, once Psalm 139 says he knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you popped out, God was not like, oh my gosh. I messed that up. God does not mess things up. And even even though some of you all might say something along the lines of, well, what about somebody who has this, or what about somebody who has that? God does not mess things up. The problem isn't God. The problem is we're unwilling to accept what God has given us. We're unwilling to look in the mirror and go, God, thank you. We're unwilling to, 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 to look in the, the mirror of God's word and realize that, that, you know what, who I am is what God says about me, not what everybody else says. Everybody's got opinions about you. The world has all kinds of ideas about who you should be or who you want to be and all that kind of stuff. Listen, none of that is based on Scripture necessarily. Are we willing to be surrendered to God so much that as we look in the mirror, as we surrender to him our soul, as we love God with all of our identity, that we stand firm in knowing that God loves us and that he did not make a mistake with us. Romans 12, 1, I I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship see the problem is that we we let we let the sin that's in our life define us we let we let all kinds of other things define who we are we don't let god we don't listen to the voice of god in our lives and so so again the challenge here is as we love god with all of our soul is to say god i i am going to accept who you say i am See, of all the things that you believe about your identity, here's the question that I would follow with that is, is it God who is defining who you are? Is it God who is defining who you are? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and then lastly, he says, with all your mind. The mind is the center of your intellect, the center of your beliefs, the center of your convictions, the expression of that identity that you have. It is the most, think about it, it's the most private part of your being. What goes on in our minds is ours and is accessible to no one except to those that you share it with. And God. God knows every thought that goes through your head. 
volume says God knows the words on your tongue before you even speak them. Does that, does that convict anybody? Does that, does that bother anybody about thoughts that maybe you're having or words that maybe you said earlier on the way to church? Does, does it bother you? That God knows them. And what's beautiful is, even in the midst of all that, God's grace and his mercy is more, and he still loves you and still wants to be in relationship with you and still offers to you forgiveness of sin and still offers to you freedom from it, and he offers to you life. And, and the beauty of, of that, even though it is, yes, the private part of us, God is fully aware of it, and he still wants to use you. He still wants to be in relationship with you. David in Psalm 19, verse 14, says, Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God is all about redeeming you, redeeming me, drawing us up out of that miry pit so that we can walk on solid ground, the solid ground of Christ. But are we willing to recognize that we need to surrender our thinking, surrender our beliefs, surrender our convictions, surrender every aspect of our lives to him. That's what Jesus is saying. Heart, soul, mind, love me with all of those things. What he's essence saying, give me everything. Everything. Jesus told a story about a rich young ruler who came to him and, and asked him, Lord, what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to be given eternal life? Jesus said to him, he said, have you kept all the commandments? And the young man said, yes. The rich young man said, yes, I've done that ever since I was a, a child. And, and, and then Jesus says, one thing that you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that the rich young man turned, walked away sorrowfully because he, was, because he had great wealth. What did Jesus do in that moment? What, what he did was he exposed his heart. The problem wasn't his wealth. The problem was his heart. The problem was he wasn't willing to surrender his heart, soul, mind to God. He, he thought that life was all about what he had. And, and he wasn't willing to say, God, here is my heart. Here is my soul. Here is my mind. I surrender these things to you. If he had surrendered those things to him, he would have been able to say, yes, take it. Take this money. Take, take it all. Do what you want with it. How, how do I know that? Look at Zacchaeus. We talked about Zacchaeus last week, the wheel of man that climbed up in a tree for you know, Jesus he wanted to see and all that stuff, right? What did, G, what did Zacchaeus do? He, he gets introduced to Jesus. He comes face-to-face with his sin. He comes face-to-face with, re, with the reality of forgiveness of his sin. And what does he do? He takes all of his money and he goes out and he pays back everyone. And he even gives more. It wasn't, it's not about the money, it's, it's about the heart. It's about surrendering our life to him. And if we're surrendering our life to him, then, then all this stuff that we have is just stuff. 
And as God asks us to give or God asks us to do, then we're willing to go and we're willing to do and we're willing to give whatever it is because it's just stuff that we're holding on to that none of us are going to take with us when we die. None of us. So are we willing to let go? Is there something that we're holding back? Is there something that we're, we're, we're not letting go of that's keeping us from loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? What part of your life are you holding back? A lot of times we, we focus on the sin issues, and we should. But there's times where there's good things that God says, you need to let go of that. I'm in a season of, of learning that right now. We have two of our boys that have gone off to school, and the reality that the other three are just behind them. And I, I don't like it. I'm going to be honest. I mean, the idea of maybe having an empty nest sounds kind of cool. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I don't. Like, someone told me it gets easier with every kid. I, I, I that has not happened yet. <laughs> it's not happened yet. And, and, and we're releasing them back out. I mean, in, in essence, like the, the verse talks about that there are arrows in the hands of a warrior. We're releasing those arrows out into this world. And that's been tough to say, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let her go. I, I don't know where you're at. I, I don't know what it is that God wants you to let go of, but there's something, is there something that you're holding back that you're unwilling to let go of, that God is saying, let it go. I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And that thing is keeping you, that person is keeping you from that. Listen, I asked you earlier to ask yourself, well, not yourself, to ask God to speak to your heart. I wonder what is he saying? What is God speaking to you about today? Would you write it down? Would you think about it? And then would you do me a favor? Would you be willing to share that with someone? Share that with someone. Why? Why do that? Because it cements it in your heart. Why do that? Because you're supposed to be about making disciples who make disciples. So share what God is doing in your life. And the beauty of your faith is that as it rubs off on somebody else, you help someone else grow in their faith by your faith. Romans 1.12 talks about that. And so, so think about, who can I share this with? And if you want, you can get your phones out right now um, and, uh, and share it. If you uh, are not into texting or messaging or whatever, then get out a piece of paper and write a note uh, and uh, make sure you send it when you get home, whatever. Um, but uh, I'd encourage you to share it with somebody. And uh, again, what is God speaking to you about today? Hey, would you just close your eyes, bow your head? Again, I, I don't know your heart, I don't know your soul, I don't know your mind, I, I don't need to. Um, God's the one that can transform those, not me, not this church. So, um, are you willing to let him? Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's first and foremost. Realize that, that you're a sinner in need of a savior, that that he's that savior that paid the penalty for your sins so that you can have forgiveness of sin so that you can have life with him. 
If you don't know that, if you've not come face to face with that, maybe that's the thing that you need to let go. If you're here today and you say you know Christ, is, what is it? Is there something that you're holding back? Something that, that you've been unwilling to let go and God's been knocking at your heart's door saying, let, let it go. It may be a, a sin issue. Maybe something that seemingly is good, but you're holding on to it. God, thanks that that you know and that you show us and then call us to be uh, obedient in following you, loving you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our mind. God, we want to love God. We want to love Jesus. So Lord, um, in this moment, even as we sing this final song, would you would you help us to come face to face with that thing and, and do the work that you are calling us to do? Either that or just bring us a little bit closer to doing that work, whatever it is. God, you're good. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.